Have you been following that Epstein thing? <laughs> uh, broadly, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean broadly? Um, I know you're not a cons conspiracy theorist. They don't want enough, but... <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm not into conspiracy theories a lot, but... Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not being entrapped again. <laughs> I'm not being entrapped again. Uh, by the way, by oh, the way, you. people... <laughs> This is a broken English podcast. If someone is recording you without your consent, it is entrapment. Uh, you should always be aware of any form of recording. Agree to it prior to being involved. How is it entrapment if you have a microphone in your face? Because, and it's without your consent. Because, because the microphone A is not in my face. The microphone is in the room. It's right in your face. It's, no, 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 there's, there's a gap. There's a gap. <laughs> but okay. I, but there's a microphone in your face the whole time when you have a phone. Yeah. You could turn that off. Mine's in airplane mode, is yours? No, not mine. It might want it to be. Oh, and uh, should we turn off the other stuff as well, just to make sure we get as clear of a sound as possible? Good idea. Just to make it as crisp as we can. Anyway... Um, with regards to the Epstein thing, I've been broadly following it. Um, I've been noticing tattoo parlours <laughs> and army surplus stores with signs saying Epstein didn't kill himself. Except. There was like a senator or a representative that tweeted a, a tweet, and then if you read it backwards. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. A friend of mine sent me the link to that. It wasn't It wasn't if you read it backwards, or maybe that was so, the one you're referencing. Yeah. But one that was sent to me was sent by a friend which said... If you look at the last, I think it was 24 tweets or something like that, um, by oh. this particular person, the first letter yeah. of each one of the tweets spelled that out. I think that's the same guy we're talking about. Is He was like a representative or a senator. I can't, I will just, I just heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast today. <laughs> that was, that, that's just funny in itself. You hear the, uh, the Prince Andrew interview or see anything to do with that? No. So, Prince Andrew, of course, is uh, the Queen's son, etc. And he had these connections to Epstein, or alleged connections. Alleged, I don't know alleged, exactly, allegedly. I don't know exactly how this is going to be phrased because there's, there's to the House of Windsor. But I allegedly, mean, there are photographs to support it. But anyway, he was being interviewed, and he he said something, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he said something. Yes, I was aware that he behaved in like an untoward or something in a, a very strange and untoward manner. And the interview was like, an untoward manner. He was a sex offender. Yeah. He was like, yeah, no, no, that's what I meant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just those sorts of things. And then the whole um, story was, the last time he was in New York, which was after Epstein was convicted, he was there for four days staying at Epstein's place. And he said the reason he went to Epstein's place was to end the friendship. Oh, okay, right. Because right, right. if I have a problem with you, <laughs> right. I go, can I come over? I'll fly for four days. Fly across the ocean. Yep, yep. Fly to your place just to tell you. He's old school. I mean, that, uh, you got to commend that guy. Well, but that's fuck not a, old school. Fuck there, text messages There is email. no point at which you were just going to casually stay at someone's place to then <laughs> end the friendship. You want to end the friendship? Don't call them. Or call them or text <laughs> them and say, yeah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Clearly this man has never heard of ghosting. It's really simple. Anyway, it's it's a, a sinister situation. Um, I can't wait for the movie. 
I'm sure there's going to be countless ones loosely based on it or how they want to describe it. But. Oliver Stone is penning that script right now as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was interesting coming over here and parking because obviously I live in a very different area. Um, <laughs> to say the... <laughs> so, One not in uh, Johnson Crack and Heroin. <laughs> so, so I was, what? three blocks from here and I park and I think to myself all right um firstly all the buildings look very different they look great it's a completely different character to it yeah. but I see this woman what she was what ugh, I can't even talk at the moment I guess I'm too tired anyway I saw this woman walking towards me and she had kind of a stone look on her face <laughs> okay and then she but- just casually brings out a crack pipe and sits in front of the cars near where I'm parked yeah and gets to it right was she was she like maybe kind of sh- not too short, but probably older, short hair, uh, I like think, really short hair. I think well, shoulder length. Oh no no, maybe I don't know if it's the same one. Okay, maybe we're not talking about. The, I'm thinking we're not probably thinking about the same person. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so she just sat there, and it was quite sad because I see a cop car just drive on by. <clears throat> and don't worry about her. We'll deal with her afterwards. Um, when something bad happens and then you see like crows fly it was such a cinematic piece because <laughs> you saw the crows flying around the bare trees and then you saw the site of Chinatown with Vancouver's uh, harbour centre in the backdrop so you had the sort of dynamic of what was in front of it yeah. versus what was behind um, it was quite surreal but why do you think I, this is why I live in this neighbourhood because it's it's inspiring like that I mean, inspiring in certain regards, very sad in other regards. I mean... Yeah, definitely. there's also that. You didn't... I didn't really want to see this woman who, on a Tuesday afternoon, is just casually smoking on the street. Well, yeah. There's it, also... Yeah, there's that. And then there's the other guys who are just strung out in the, on the, the corner, just, you know, zonked out of their mind with a needle sticking out of their head, arm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's, that's another sight. No, it's it's very sad, and um, I don't know how it's easily tackled, but... <laughs> I guess it's as good as mine. But nevertheless, this is a film-based podcast. Evil, um, game. <laughs> Evil game for everybody, that's what I was going to say. But yes, this is a film-based podcast, so... <laughs> but I mean, the, I mean, you put some film references in there, so... It, did, it felt beautiful in yeah. terms of the, the image of the autumn trees with the crows flying by but it was just an interesting dynamic to see this woman smoking crack uh, or whatever she was having it wasn't anything stereotypical but it was just yeah it was it was sad yeah very sad it is um so yeah what are you gonna do on a positive note tell me about this east side cultural crawl why was why did you say it was inspiring what was it about it like Explain to me, because many people have a very cynical have a very cynical view of the Vancouver art scene, basically saying it doesn't exist. Um, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, if you compare Vancouver with a New York, a London, or anything like a Japan, which is obviously a country, not a city, but nevertheless, <laughs> I. I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're going to compare it to those places, then it wouldn't be a comparison because those, those places are just massive. Right? right, but tell me about what you found but, inspirational about this crawl. But for me, I mean, if you are somebody who just appreciates art and creativity, I mean, this would, this would, be, this would be something that will have something for you. 
Uh, it's like for anyone who doesn't know, the, the Eastside Cultural Call is a four-day uh, event that happens around the city. Well, not the city, but mostly in the predominantly east, the east, uh, side, the east yeah. side of Vancouver. The east side of Vancouver, where basically it's independent artists that just uh, exhibit their stuff. So it's like a, almost it feels like a festival slash uh, exhibition kind of thing. And it's just like you know you have warehouses and store shops and places all around the city that are just you know they they come together in the spirit of just showing off their work and artwork and pieces. So it's like it's just yeah basically a, a cultural artistic exhibition. For me, I got everything. I always get I always get uh, what I get out from it because it's just always inspiration. As an artist myself and somebody who likes creativity, it's just it's it's essential to be around that stuff because mm -hmm. you just don't really get it. Oh, well, for me, I really don't get that kind of stuff on a daily basis in my around where I am and the places that I go. I don't think most of us either. So it's for me, it's just like it's always puts something in my subconscious and it, or it just inspires me in general. I mean, unfortunately, because I had some other prior commitments, I wasn't able to come. But what were the sorts of things which you were finding in particular inspiring? Like for example, um, a lot of these places, are they ordinarily accessible to the public? Was this specifically based around, no, these four days we'll open our doors, but other than that, we're usually this storefront or that storefront, or we're just a completely private residence? What was it? Um, I'm, I think it's like about half and half where you, we have the situation where you have an artist who has a studio and then they open it up to everybody. And then there was just, the other half was just, um, you know, artists who would just... Uh, uh, rent a space and then exhibit their stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was just a mixture of that. Um, uh, and like I said, most of it was indoors. There wasn't a lot of outdoors. There wasn't. It wasn't an outdoor thing. It's like you go to these places and you go to these. Some of them look like art galleries already. Some of them were just transformed into art galleries. Were there any particular pieces or artists that really stood out? I don't say any. This is for me. I mean, this is all... The thing is that all of this stuff is all based on personal taste, right? Yeah. So for me, I was probably more into paintings and anything that was just innovative. Innovative. In what regard? Just in terms of just uh, anything that really stood out, stood out to me as well. I've never seen that before. If somebody who just... Things that just kind of stick out to me. Or not even innovative, but something I've never seen before. But for me, my main... Folk, my main the thing that drawed me the most was paintings. Okay. Yeah. So, but I couldn't tell you if I had anything specific, but that that was just the main thing for me. I mean, I like sculptures and things like that. Did you get any contact information or further business cards? But no real. No, no, I wasn't there to make any contact with anybody. For me, it was just. I'm just thinking in terms of if we were to want to collaborate with any of these people and we were to want to do anything, you'd have a point of reference. Business cards, business okay. cards, and business cards. Got lots and lots and business cards. So for me, it, but it was mostly about like if I wanted to maybe even think of considering getting some of their own, getting some of their artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's a good point. Collaboration there. Because I mean, what people will also become aware of as we get further intertwined into promoting the films we're making and so on and so forth is we're up for collaborating. So if you do happen to be an artist of any discipline, feel and obviously we don't 
mean you've gone through many years of schooling but you happen to create things feel free to drop us a line you can find more information on brokenenglishfilms.com and as I say drop us a line with what you do and how you might want to work with us and we can go with that but um, yeah it's interesting when you have different areas open up to represent what the artists in the particular region do because you don't see that much in this city I think it's it's just there. You just have to really go find it. You think? Yeah, it's definitely no. It's most definitely there. Okay. You just it just you just have to go out there and find it. But there's an abundance of these kinds of things out there. They're just not really wide open, or it's just maybe the scene here is just not as glamorous or as famous as. Yeah, other I, I guess it's more so. Um... Maybe because I don't look in the right places, I just haven't been exposed to it. Yeah, like I said, it's like, to me, it's always like who, you, who the kinds of people that you kind of interact with and the kinds of places you go to, mm. that's where these things all are, are, that's where these things are. They're definitely all over the place. I can't name anything off the top of my head, but I, if I, if I had a moment to sit down and think about it, you get, you can know, one, things out will eventually come to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is the event to see them all. Yeah, so that's, it was the event. That's typically the November of each year, right? Yeah, and then you have like conventions, like you got the Circle Craft that comes here. I think there's like another one too at the convention center. So there's always all these things going on. I know there's on. things like that and, and culture boat, days and stuff. Yeah, and there's like boats and boats of studios out here. Mm-hmm. Especially in the Powell area, the Clark area, there's so many of those uh, shops mm-hmm. out there. I mean, I've been to many of them and and then even around here, I didn't even realize just around the corner there was a studio that I found for the cultural crawl. Mm-hmm. It was just right around the corner. It's like, holy cow, I didn't even realize there was a studio here. Mm-hmm. It was just always this door <laughs> that was always kind of like, I would t- just like a door that I always just walked past and never really glanced at twice. But it turns out there's a whole studio in there. And then there's a Sanwa Center where on the second or third floor, there's all these artists doing these things. Fantastic. Yeah, I want to get more involved in that. I love um, hole-in-the-wall places that you wouldn't assume yeah. would be anything more. Those are the best. There was this one bar that a friend of mine took me to many years ago. And um, I think it was actually on Main Street. I'm not sure if it's still open. But it was maybe 10 blocks from where we are now. And it was completely unassuming. You would have no idea what it was. This is a bar? Yeah, random door. <laughs> open a door, go in, head to the back, and it's a bar. So you go down a hallway and just nothing would lead you to believe it was anything. I'm trying to think if I, no, I don't think I've seen anything like that around here. It's fantastic. You feel like you're really privileged because you've ended up in this secret (laughs) um, drinking establishment. But yeah. So, um, what do you think about the stuff I was showing you with regards to Charlie's Angels and Terminator, etc.? Because if anyone listened to the previous podcast... (laughs) We delved into Bowler's loathing and hatred of reboots and franchises and so on and so forth. So now we're getting into, we've had multiple examples this year alone of tremendous flops. The amount of money that was put into the latest installment of The Terminator, the latest... Is that a flop? Yes. When I say a flop, I'm on about... Your return on investment. You right. 
with the film industry, as you know, really just like the music industry, yeah, you could make your money back over time. Yeah. But the pressure's on for the opening weekend and the subsequent weeks from that. So you had, number one, Doctor Sleep, which I have not yet seen, so I don't know what it's like. But it was a follow-up to The Shining with Ewan McGregor. And everyone was thinking, this is going to smash things. Didn't do what people expected. Who thought that? Well, that was the projection. That's why. It, <laughs> that's why I went with a major studio. I was when I saw that trailer, I was rolling my eyes. I actually thought it looked alright. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" No, no, no. no. I, it just fueled my hatred even more at that point. To like, no, because this is an iconic movie, right? I mean, I was optimistic. It was it was a follow up on Stephen King's work. So he'd written the book Doctor Sleep. Yeah. It was a dramatization. Sorry, an adaptation of that. And then, of course, they tried to reboot the Charlie's Angels franchise with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Um, and that did nowhere close to what they'd hoped. The Terminator as well, they brought back both... Uh, Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton and Schwarzenegger, and they brought in some new names, and it didn't do what it was meant to do. I'm, the thing is, I haven't seen... I, I haven't seen these movies but we're judging it based on how it performed etc not on the quality of the film the films may be great well because my 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 argument was the quality Mm. right it wasn't based on the box office numbers because something i mean i i've 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 had the privilege in the last little while to see stuff that i thought were freaking masterpieces and blade runner for example right i thought that was just Brilliant. I didn't see the new one. No. I, I saw the new one. Um, I thought it was just like, this was bona fide great science fiction. It was, it just, it was, to me, it was like a masterpiece for science fiction. Yeah, but then that's great. Huh? Then even on Earth is great. <sighs> but it, it, by way of uh, box office sales, didn't But But by, by, by your box office sales, though, it didn't do too well. It, I don't know if it made a profit or not, but. It, de- it definitely... It didn't make a profit based on what they wanted. I don't know. If, I think it might even... From the last time I checked, and this is the very, very last time I checked. This was a while ago. It wasn't even looking like it was making back its money. I'm sure it probably did, but I don't think anybody at the studio is going, let's go, let's, let's like, right. let's go make another one. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of... It was just kind of odd. I don't know. But that's an audience thing, I guess. Uh, who knows? But it was well done. But going back, I haven't seen any of these new f- films. I'm going to only assume that the, probably the quality wasn't even that great. I, I wouldn't go as far as to assume that. See, what I had said to you on our previous conversation about this was it's a business-based decision. We do this yeah. because we think yeah. we're going to put all our eggs in a basket of that particular one because we know it's going to make money. Yeah. And then they get slapped in the face. You know, you spend $200 million on a film and opening weekend it makes eight or ten. That's not what you want to hear. It, it, it's, for me, it'll be fascinating to know from an audience point, because this is an audience thing, right? Like, why exactly did it not work as much as they did? Is it fatigue? It, it, was, it, was it audience fatigue with these things? Was it the quality of the, it just didn't have any word of mouth? Or I don't know, what, what was it? I didn't even watch, I didn't, what was the last one called? Terminator Genesis? Something like that. I didn't even watch that one either. I haven't seen that. I didn't in any way think that uh, a Charlie's Angels reboot would gain much traction at all. Because it isn't, 
When people yeah. reference things, I've never once heard someone go, you know what? You know what my favourite film is? You know what I always put on when I'm in, when I'm feeling down? Um, I just throw in Charlie's Angels. That's a good point. It's not something to go to that. Yeah. I am surprised that Doctor Sleep not performing because it had Ewan McGregor as its vehicle. It had the Stephen King book as its vehicle and it had the arguable sequel to The Shining. Now, of course, it wasn't Kubrick, but Kubrick in today's uh, cinematic universe would not necessarily get the draw and respect that he deserves. Well, this is what I'm, this is the thing that's fascinating to me, just to figure out what exactly, and this is an, would be an art form, to figure out exactly why something like that didn't pull in what, what they were expecting. Like, what was it? I don't what, know. What, what, were the, what, were the, what was the catalyst or the, or the, the variables? I don't know, but I, I guess that's what makes uh, the industry so hard to gauge. That's the thing. I still think these people don't know what the hell they're doing in the first place. They don't, they don't. <laughs> no. But they make as educated a guess as you could because to get someone to come out... I mean, maybe it also played a role the fact that they came out around the time that more channels like your Disney Plus were becoming more available... And so people just decided we're going to spend our time and money on something else. But okay, here's another thing that just came to my mind. I mean, as I was watching the trailer, I just didn't see anything that was even pulling me towards that film. Because I, I think the trailer is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Unless this thing has been established before or you know there's a built-in audience for this that's very entrenched, I think through how you market the film, how the film is marketed is very important and I think a trailer is very important because mm -hmm. that's gonna I mean it's like the analogy you eat with your eyes right first mm -hmm. it was it's like that for me and watching the trailer okay after my eyes came back from the back of my head I was just like I didn't see anything in there that was pulling me I just really for me as an audience member that it would make me even curious curious to watch it mm -hmm. like it just didn't seem to have anything in there that I was like I should go watch that mm -hmm. Then also, I guess, once you have that, then there's no buzz around the thing, really. So, I think it's just... I, I think I can probably put a case like Dr. Sleep is. It probably just wasn't as good. I think that's... Even without that's watching jumping, it. I I know I'm jumping... jumping to, <laughs> I know I'm jumping because, to conclusions, you know, but I bet you that is my number one hunch right now. But it that, just wasn't but that again, interesting. Again, you went to a Gemini man. Which you knew yes. wasn't meant to be that good, but it had um, areas which intrigued you, which inspired you to yeah. want to go see it regardless. Right. So the whole formula is, Ewan McGregor's got an established fan base. He's got an established place whereby people will come and see him. You have to... It's, that's a good point. You... I think it's just like you... you it's, hard to re, it's hard to read these things, but it's also you can read these things. Because when you're releasing the film, right, it's the timing of it is important. Mm. It's very important. Mm. I mean, if it's if you're opening a movie with something that's gonna smash all box box office records, right? No doubt about it. It's like eh, this is probably not a good time to release this film mm. with this thing. And cultural, and then there's also like cultural things, and then also just the momentum of things. I think some people, people, audience, like, probably just get fatigued by. Maybe it's a cycle. Like, audiences get fatigued by too many horror movies or too many reboots or something like that. And you gotta find that good... You gotta find that timing. 
I, I think what's fascinating is is that there is no formula for it. There no, it's not. There isn't. <laughs> it's like, you know. Because, yeah, these things take like a year to make and then, I mean, what? If you're making it, it's not going to be out for like another year. And that's what's interesting about another film, which I don't know if you know anything about this one. Have you heard of Queen and Slim? Mm -mm. Queen and Slim is the um, next project by Lena Waithe. Do you know who she is? No. Uh, she was in Master of None with Aziz Ansari and then really heavily solidified her as a well-known writer for a TV show called The Shy. Uh, I think she's also worked on the TV show called Insecure and a bunch of other stuff. Right. So Queen and Slim is kind of like the black Bonnie and Clyde. Right. And what she had as part of the agreement that they managed to negotiate, because she was kind of riding the wave of the success in all these different areas. Like one of the actors in it is Daniel Kaluuya, wow. who is big right now because of Get Out. Um, yeah. So she collaborated with a director that she knows and basically wrote this script and managed to go, okay, well, here's the deal. We want to make the film, but we want it out within the year. Because you were saying it might be a year from now, etc. She wanted it out within the year so that it remained culturally relevant. Yeah. And had that steam behind it. Right. Because then that does go to the support of, if, for example, the cultural climate is talking about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And you wait till the next year. X, yeah. Y, or Z may no longer be the focal point of all the news stories and such. Yeah. People are only... I mean, things... That, that relevancy thing is so important, right? It's... To me, it's just it's so it's so critical when you when you when you want to create something. It's like I have to consult the cultural ether and go, is this gonna play right now, or is it? It's ugh. everybody has their own philosophy when it comes to these things, and I certainly don't want to like force any force uh, my own. But to me, it's a big consideration what the cultural climate is, right? When coming up with something or wanting to bring something out there because if nobody's if this is not even ta or if this is taboo now or and whatever. i and i find those things quite interesting as well because um there i believe it was within the past four or five months there was as there frequently are in the u.s a mass shooting yeah. And there was a film, I forget the name of it, but it, I think it starred January Jones or someone like that, that was meant to come out, that the studios decided to pull back because of the fact that it had that as uh, the, uh, an item in the story. And they just went, you know what, people are too sensitive right now. Mm. And I, I think that's kind of problematic because it shouldn't be that... It's kind of like the argument when comedians make off-colour jokes. Mm -hmm. It may not be appropriate, and oftentimes it isn't appropriate. It's kind of the nature of the beast. It yeah. is, we are saying things yeah. to try and make light of things. The same thing, in my mind, would apply to cinema. Because if you're interested in seeing a particular story being told, yeah. yes, there are horrible things going on. But I'm, I'm kind of curious about how waiting to release it really helps because if you were going to see that type of film anyway you're going to see that type of film anyway yeah unless you're directly involved with this thing yeah. which would be horrible if you were but unless you are the people that were going to watch it are going to watch it the people that want to see it want to see it right so it becomes that weird gray area 
for me, I, when it comes to something like this, it's um, it's not about it's not more about censorship, but also when I was what I was talking about was more in the realm of um, what is what is in the zeitgeist, right? Yeah, what is in the zeitgeist that that have that 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 uh, people are interested in, hmm. or there's a lot of attention on. And then it's just like that else that because I think that that's a great way to uh, get, I guess, like find an audience for what you're trying to do. I mean, I I suppose, but you can even take things from the zeitgeist and then incorporate it into something that you are trying to do, but you're using something that's going on for an, for your own personal vehicle of some sort of story or something like that. But then again, if you think about it, you went and saw The Joker recently, you saw Parasite, and you've seen other things. That doesn't necessarily happen to have any cultural relevance of particular sorts. No, The Joker definitely is. Well, sorry, The Joker, I'm speaking out of turn because I haven't yet seen it. Yeah, definitely it's chiming in on a lot of things that's going on right now. It's like censorship and free speech. Okay, well, well, I haven't seen The Joker, so I I shouldn't have cited that. But what I mean is... um, I don't know how much culture necessarily does or doesn't play with regards to whether people will or won't see a film. Now, with regards to Queen and Slim, that was the reason that Lena Waithe had cited that she wanted it out so quickly, was because of what you're talking about, what your argument happens to be, which is, while it's relevant culturally, let's put it out there. Yeah. I get that. I guess... And there's some things you write, because you might be looking at it and go, this is great, but... Right. I listen on this for like five more years or something. It's not gonna be. It might not have the same juice as it as it did at that moment. And that makes a lot of sense. I think what's interesting about our conversations is we both tend to try and take the devil's advocate angle sometimes. On the contrary, <laughs> right. but no, I largely do agree with that. Because I've I've done I've done that. Look, I go back and I've read some of the things I've written years ago, and it's like. Yeah, I don't know if this would be as interesting as it is as it was back then, or there'll be things in there and goes, yeah, because I think that might have been that might be a bit too. I might put some people off. It's only a couple of things that I've been in there that I've seen for my own self, I, and I wouldn't advocate that either. I mean, if it's great, if it works for the story, it works for the story. Precisely. I mean, this revisionist history yeah. that a lot of people tend to have. I've seen how. Um, I think it was The Jungle Book being cited, or one of these other Disney films, which uh, a university student had said some of the things are racially insensitive or something like that. Disney now has a warning on their their service with some of these cartoons that play, right? Because it's like, yeah, they got cartoons that are playing from like the 40s, 50s or something, and they have like these, like, what do they call it? They called it the... uh, they called it, I can't remember what Disney called it, the warning said, but racially, I ah, something, uh, whatever, they used some language about it, right? So, well, okay, fuck, we, <laughs> it was like, shit, the times were, the times were pretty racist, forgive us, all right, press the play button, it was something <laughs> like that. It was just something to the terms like, like that, it's like, fuck it, man, it was the 40s, what did you think? <laughs> I mean, what did you expect from us? I mean, look. Um... Cultural depictions they were talking about are not. They were some of the same day. The cultural depictions were from another time, blah, 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 something, something. And and that's the weird thing, because what do you do? Do you, do you justify it as being, well, we wrote that then, or do you go, 
let's just remove this from the records of everything. I, I don't believe in that, but I did. You you bring up a good point with this Disney thing because I just saw something else today from them where I think one they weren't going to put some of their stuff in there because it was just too controversial. I think one of them was called the song, the songs of the South. Don't know. It's like it's it was like done in the forties and it was like about this old. I think it was about this like older uh, black man, but it was like basically. Like, if you watch it now, it was just, like, it's kind of cringy because it has all these... And, you know... <laughs> I haven't watched it myself, but I've, I've heard about it over the years, and it just came up again today. As I say, these companies tend to have people with biases that existed back at a certain point. Yeah, I know. Um, there have been plenty of references made to Disney and other... And other areas of the company with anti-Semitism, yeah. um, portrayal against Jews, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think going forwards, to a degree, there is some sense in not having kids exposed to that. Because what you are exposed to at a young age, you do then become shaped, and it does create who you become yeah. like if I find it cool to say this or do this because I'm a child and I'm being shown this but in the same vein I do think for adults that access the service they should be able to see whatever they want um, and be able to have a discretionary view of yeah this is this is bullshit <laughs> why would you say this or Some, I mean yeah that it is but something tells me Disney is not going to do that like anything that raises anything that goes through on a certain threshold, they'll probably just go, no, it's not gonna. We're gonna put this in the back of the vault. But I mean, kudos to them for putting some of those old, like kind of like cringy uh, cartoons in there. Still, I mean, they put the warning sign in there. They put the warning there before, but kudos to them for actually even keeping it. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense for them to have kept this. Sorry, to have uh, put the signs out and. Included the old content because the truth of the matter is, again, looking at things from a business perspective, you know that all those things that have actually been made exist in a space whereby if Disney aren't putting it on their service, go to YouTube. Go to the thousand Chinese bootleg sites, <laughs> which are going to be putting it up as well. With all the racist Asian uh, cultural depictions. Well, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is, someone's making money off of it. Now, if I'm selling my product being, this is my company. This is what we've made. Yeah, we made this back in back at a quote unquote different time, which I always find an interesting scapegoat and excuse. Eh, we were racist back then. Don't worry about it. Um, Our predecessors were precisely. Um, but at the end of the day, they are going to be profiting from it by streaming it. Yeah. Which, from their perspective, again, it's the uh, the difference between watching out for people's feelings. And um, and profiting. I mean, you look look at, for example, I've never seen it. I really should because I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. But have you ever seen Eddie Murphy's Raw? Yeah, that's actually. I was about that came in my mind. I was about to say something because okay. I remember watching that a, a, uh, sometime last year, or maybe this year, and I was like, oh my god, some of that stuff was like, yikes. Well, and that's delirious too. Yeah. I haven't seen, uh, I've not seen either Raw or Delirious. But Delirious is probably the worst one because it's like he has this whole bit about gay people, right? Mm. 
there's like long segments about gay people, but it's not even that. It's just like the word, the way he's using the word faggot. Yeah. Like it's just like back then. This was like back in the day where you can just call gay people faggots, right? Right. And, and it, it was it like isn't, that. Well, you could never just call them. I that. mean, you could it just was... never, but you. But if he did, if any comedian did that now, mm. it, they would be run out of the country. Right, because of the whole cancel culture ideology. Yeah. And I think what's important to recognize, even though it's not okay and it's not acceptable, are these things happened. Yeah, they have, they have happened. These things were created. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you could do about that. And again, you know, obviously I don't know Eddie Murphy personally, but he may look at the shit he did 30, 40, 50 years ago and go... I think he actually he has I, I remember reading an article with him a couple of years ago and he was like yeah he was looking at some of the stuff he did back then he was like I can't even watch it and I'm assuming this is probably what he was referring to he never said specifically but he was like he just said yeah there was some some of my old stuff I just look at now and I kind of cringe yeah yeah and and that's the real thing and this was even before me the cancel culture stuff happened too. Well, and that's the thing, because the cancel culture has gotten to a point whereby, um, and it's kind of the same with regards to, particularly in America, um, incarceration. When you make a mistake, be it, and, and I'm saying a mistake, I'm not saying when you commit any sort of um, deliberately violent or oppressive things towards other people or anything like that. But if you make a mistake, like you say something wrong, you say something wrong. For yeah, example. yeah. That could be and, I'm, and I'm on about, because I'm setting the bar, if you make a mistake, not if you do something absolutely untoward, yeah. absolutely out of line, something repugnant, any, any abuse or anything along those lines. But you say something. Yeah. There should be the option of you correcting what you said. Now, if you do a Mel Gibson and you repeat what you happen <laughs> to think... That's different. That's, yeah. But if you say something stupid or do something stupid in your past, we all have done things really, well, really immaturely in years gone by. Yeah, that's my bone of contention with this whole stuff. It's like, remember when Liam Neeson, like, right, came out and then right. like, admitted like he did something like what he had like a racist episode forty well, years ago or something like that. Yeah, it was something along the lines of his friend got raped. By a black guy, and yeah. so he was walking around. I think it was Dublin or something. Yeah, looking for a black guy to to, to beat up. Yeah, to hit with a club or something like that. And this was like what forty years ago. I think he said I wanted to quote kill the bastard. Or yeah, something like that. Some, yeah, kill the but black yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then people got like people, and then all these people just got crazy about that, and it's just like to me, I'm like, okay, this is kind of bizarre, right? Because it's like this is him admitting something he did. Or what well, he did, what, 40, well, how long ago? Decades past. When you're, you're a completely different person in the midst of, and this is something he freely admit, that he, he just freely divulged, he didn't, you know, this wasn't anything that was pressed upon him. Right. And this was like a retrospective thing, but some for some reason, a lot of people wanted to hold him accountable and I, for and this I episode. Think, I think what I was getting at with regards to the previous thing was, if you make a mistake... As in a mistake in terms of what you've said. Or even if you do... Um, if you commit a crime and you've paid your debt to society... Yeah. There should be the idea that... There's a punishment and there's a redemption. Like the idea of sending people to prison, for example... 
is you go in, you serve your time, yeah. you get rehabilitated, you come out a better person, you don't do the same shit again. Yeah. It isn't we are incarcerating you and you're done. Die now. Right. There's, there's no option. You've made a mistake. It can never be corrected. You've done something horrible. It can never be corrected. Because that removes the idea, especially uh, towards children and, and younger people, it removes the idea of having culpability and answering to and then having something to go to afterwards. We all are privy to making mistakes. Yeah. We all are susceptible to it. We all do and say one thing when we're X age and a different view and thought when we're Y. Yeah, exactly. There's no road to redemption or discourse, which is really, just really bizarre. Right. It's not... It's you're create, it Also, it's just creating an environment that... Um, well, it's just, it's just creating a generally a toxic environment mm. for any kind of anything where it's just like people are just being wiped out, you know, for thought crimes, minor things that could be, anybody can consider a minor indiscretion. Right. And again, that's basically what's being said is not people like your Harvey Weinsteins and, yeah. and Kevin Spacey's, etc., Aren't those are a bit different precisely but those are the extremes yeah and there needs to be a delineation between those that commit things on that level and an aziz ansari type right there's there's no there's no like, there there's needs no, to be a difference there's no nuance right it's just like nah 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 they're all done they're all, they're all done period <laughs> and right. and that that's not how it should work there should be if you get to the degree of being a repeat offender well, then you serve the sentences of a repeat offender and the sentences of, of a repeat offender could become a cancel culture, like, sorry, a cancel type perspective. You've done it too many times. You didn't just make this as a mistake. This is what you do. This is what you owe. But if you make something stupid or you do something stupid in a small segmented piece, yeah. pay, uh, be it with a small sentence or something like that, and then get on with your life. Well, I just, I just, I just, for me, I just feel like it just has to be, there has to be, we have to change the way we look at these things. If somebody's going to say something crazy, let's not claim something crazy and then debate. I mean, instead of just shutting the person down, right? But let's just go back to the terms of movies, right? I'm just worried that, because there's a lot of stuff we all love and beloved, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, Obviously, as time goes by, we're going to look back at a lot of these things and there's going to be things in there that's like, okay, that's, you know, that kills you now or you can't say that now or that kind of depiction is not appropriate. So it's, to me, it just kind of begs the question, well, what's going to be left? You know, what's going to be left? I think there needs to be room on both sides to, uh, to explore it all. Um, it's... I do, I do get it to a certain extent. I mean, just imagine if you, when you find out one of your favorite films was directed by Hitler or something like that, <laughs> it kind of makes it. It's hard to watch it the same way, you know, that you watched it before, <laughs> because now that you realize maybe there's something else going on in there that you didn't realize. But that's what's really strange because um, horrible as it is to say. If something is done well and professionally, yeah. five or ten minutes afterwards, you forget about the truth behind it. Mm. Like, you said to me a thousand times how much you loved House of Cards. Yeah. Kevin Spacey, amazing job. Yeah. 
It's, it's interesting to me, Arwa. I actually, that's a good point. Have I, you seen it since? I haven't watched it. I haven't gone, I, and I usually don't even, when I watch a TV series, I usually don't watch it again. But I am curious to watch it again. Some some things grip me more than others. Because I, I actually want to watch The Wire again. But House of Cards, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that again and see how it feels. Now knowing what was going on there. I mean, I've I've seen a couple of uh, clips and stuff of the Cosby Show. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I watch it now, and it it does. You do have that nagging thing in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's the thing. It's hard to you keep get, focused. It's, it's like as soon as you can't watch it the same anymore. Well, you can't because the thing is, is as soon as you, if when I'm watching something with you, I'm like Bowler. I love the way they position the camera there. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's no longer a story. All of a sudden, it's no longer, I'm just seeing what's going on on screen. It's, oh no, they had a camera, they had lights, they're saying lines that were written on a piece of paper, there's a boom mic going over, etc, etc, etc. You're taken out. You're taken out of it. Now, if you know that there's a convicted sex offender on the screen in front of you, yeah. you stop going, oh yeah, no, it's just, it's a cute um, little girl with her dad, and they're making jokes because she's... You know, very cheeky for a three-year-old, and he's a doctor. And... I, 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 I see. There's a the Cosby thing is a good a good point because I could see why NBC just decides to let us take this thing down. I think it's still on Amazon. Is it? Lot. Well, I, don't, I, I mean, don't... it might. I haven't checked for a few months, but um, I saw it on Amazon Prime a few months ago for definite. Right. Because you just have to look at it from their point of view. This is a guy who's always promoting himself as a family man, wholesome. You know. And then you find out his extracurricular activities, and it's like, it's an, because there's an image going on here, and there's like, there's a whole thing built up here, and it's like, and now, and then you find out the person was totally not living up to all of it, hypocritically too. Well, as I say, I've told you about Jimmy Savile before. Um, <laughs> if if you look into his stuff, he was a children's entertainer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just hard to watch it. Like if I'm watching the Cosby Show, even for me, it's like it's just it's just hard to watch it. It's it's hard to watch it the same way I watched it when you know, for the, when when I was watching it for the first time. It, it's just kind of cringy, actually. Right. I don't know. I guess <laughs> it's like yeah. Unfortunately, it does. I don't I don't fault anybody who takes takes that kind of thing now because. You probably if you if you were back there watching the, the the analytical data of it, but again and in real time you'll just see that thing just drop. Well, you will and you won't. You have two things. Number one, you'll see the people like you and I that will be so repulsed by it that we don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. But number two, number two, even bad publicity would spur ratings. It, I guess for a. I get. I, I it would be a that. minor spike. It would be, be a like spike. yeah. It's like how do I feel about this? And then they hopefully would be as affected by the character by the guy as us but i would in that in this cosby situation i would see that thing maybe spike from curiosity and then that thing would just fucking just plummet yeah like just but again it goes back to what we were saying um it is the nature of the crime and the yeah because he was pretty fucking prolific in the 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 slew of things he did yeah, and I guess it shows you like there's 
you're not also just watching your show. You, like I said, I have to you have to walk a fine line here because whatever somebody does in their personal life is like is their own personal life, right? But it, to me, when you but also at the same time, if you start bringing in certain things, like if I'm a preacher and I'm hitting everybody over the head with a with a Bible. And then finds out I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing blow at a strip club. Well, look, here's, <laughs> right? here's the thing. What anyone does behind closed doors is fine. That's fine. I don't... Absolutely fine. What isn't fine is people like him who were poisoning, well, were drugging people. Right. And then doing what they wanted. That's not consensual. So therefore, that's not fine. Yeah. The rest of it, like, do whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. care. I'm not interested. If both parties agree, you can literally, the gamut, the door is open. But... If he was banging groupies, I don't care. It's like... Completely <laughs> fine. But w that wasn't the case. No. The case was, according to all the documents, and he's been convicted of it. Um, what, what was the joke by Aerie Spears? Is like, I was willing to believe Cosby until like the 90th... <laughs> until I was willing to believe him on eight, the 89th woman to come. But when the 90th came, I was like, I don't know. Well, well and that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Um... If there's one accuser, there is reasonable doubt. There's right? reasonable doubt, yeah. If there are 20, <laughs> and, then, and then it gets higher and higher and higher, yeah. it gets a lot less plausible. I think out of through a certain point, it's kind of like, okay, yeah. yeah this... I don't think there's a conspiracy going on here. No, you, you enjoyed doing this, and you've tarnished any sort of legacy you may have had, but then again, that was your choice from the get-go. What can you do? But like I said, Cosby's an extreme, though. Oh yes, definitely. Cosby, Cosby's an extreme. It's, it's one of those extreme cases. But the kind of things that we see nowadays are things where it's like you know it's a minor. I mean, you, you it's like a peppered thing where you're watching a movie and there'll be some cringy thing in there, or oh yeah, maybe an actor or actress says something and it's kind of like boneheaded. Mm -hmm. But I mean, is it? That was it. That bad for us to just say, okay, they're done. Precisely, it, it depends on a lot of things. I mean, um, I, I, I would get. I mean, I would understand if if, uh, if Tom Cruise came out the next day and he was. It turns out he was a neo-Nazi. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to watch. It would be hard to watch this stuff after that. Mm -hmm. But you know, there, there has to be some sort of. There, there just seems to be a lack of nuance going on. Completely. But going, but just to, just to going back to films that in the past, um, I don't know. Sometimes it's a tough call when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, I think when you watch things that are made of a different period, um, you don't necessarily excuse. Well, it is what it is. It was made. I mean, it's like. If I if I go to my if I look at myself when I was like eighteen or sixteen or something, it's like I can't really I can't really judge myself based on that period because I just didn't know any better. Right, and you have to evaluate yourself and what you were going through at the time and so on and so forth. Right. The, the difference is with film and TV. Um, you can't you can't rewrite history. You can't say this wasn't how the culture and the climate was at the time. You can't do that. Like, you look at a previously released film from any period in time and you go, okay, that's questionable. 
was it a good film? Was it not a good film? Um, have those involved mm. changed at all or have they not? Well, I think we're just kind of realizing there's a lot more going on to... There's a lot more going on to the audience than just even the story and the characters. Well, and that has a lot as well with the advent of the internet. If the internet didn't exist, there'd be a lot of information that we did not know. And we would not... <laughs> we, you know, if you but, think about when you watched films in the 90s, you didn't know everyone's personal life to the degree you did. No, not to this degree, right? Yeah. But like I said, it's not even just about personal life, but it's just like some... I guess there's a lot going on in terms of... Um, in terms of in terms of how we even perceive the actor in this role cuz what if we're watching a leading man that we know is gay and he's playing you know oh that's that's fine with me if it's plausible uh, i guess but it's been hard to pull that off I, the only person i've seen that pull that off so far is neil patrick harris neil patrick harris has done it um spacey did it but yeah but we didn't know we knew he was gay. I know. Well, not, not, gay. not everybody knew he was gay. Yeah, but you knew. Like, like, okay, maybe they didn't know, but he pulled it off. Like, when you watch mm-hmm. House of Cards, you thought he was in love with oh, Robin yeah, Wright. Definitely. So that's a gay man portraying yeah. that. Um, I, I don't think most actors can, well, not, I don't know if I'd say most or not, but they can pull off their sexuality. But do you know how many, guys, how many of these actors are in the closet? Well, I don't. I but. don't know, but there's, there's quite this. I estimate there's quite a few. There may well be. Yeah. But regardless, what you see on the screen, if done well, if you done forget well. about. Yeah. You forget about, and it's a bad actor that can't make it seem like they're in love with another person, regardless of sex. You know, you're acting, you're portraying. True. This should be a fairly simple thing, if. You're not into the person that's meant to be your love interest. Act. <laughs> but that means that that being in the back of the audience minds plays a fact in the decision making. I suppose. I mean, I've never necessarily... I wouldn't care, but like, you know it's in the back of people's minds. The only time things really become in the back of my mind is if people are known as being serial offenders. Yeah. Beyond that, yeah. so-and-so committed a crime once... Well, I'll take it for what it is, and then see from there. <laughs> well, it's like it's like like watching like old George Michael music videos and stuff like that before we knew he was gay. Well, and that was the thing he had to <laughs> like, he had to have people believe he was straight in order to get his biggest demographic at the time were women interested in him. Yeah, so they had to think they weren't interested in a gay man. Same with Elton John to begin with. <laughs> Elton John got married. That's right. I mean, I haven't seen Rocket Man. I don't know how. I haven't. Yeah. That film is, but nevertheless, it's it's the idea that um, this whole thing is a mixture between art and business. It's art and business, and then whatever that cultural thing is. The cultural thing plays a role. It plays a role that I don't. That I think we haven't really explored well. I think it's cool. There's a lot more going on there. I just haven't really. It's actually now just thinking about it. There's a lot going on there and that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that opens up a new discussion of what exactly how how people consume this stuff. In what way? Oh, in terms of like how they even just perceive that actor in general, and how how much that affects the overall picture. 
I mean, I think it really above all else is the status of the actor. Because the status of the actor really influences how much dirt will or won't be unveiled on them. Yeah. But they're already at a point whereby they're so big that they're doing these types of films and therefore they've already got an engaged audience. I mean, you look at... There are lots of instances where in indie film there are people that have done reprehensible things. There are people that have done a lot of questionable things. Um, I've forgotten the name... But there's a director who did uh, the brown bunny that's come under a lot of controversy because of his behaviour, both being forced and abusive. There is, there's all the stuff to, there are all the allegations and such, or maybe proven accusations, I'm not certain, to do with Roman Polanski. Yeah. Um, It is what it is. I mean, that's, that's what's problematic. Um as un, until it's actually declared clearly in a court of law it's hard to not just have an instinctual or a feeling based level of support or lack thereof hmm i mean i for one still love woody allen films yeah i'm a big fan of woody allen right now the accusations the that have been levied against him i cannot have a view other than I don't know it hasn't gone through the courts yeah it's just been allegations right and it's been a he said she said yeah so I think um, I think it's Bill Maher that I was that I'm citing here who had said not women should always be believed sorry women should always be heard right not always believed not to say that what they're saying isn't believable, but they should always have the opportunity to air anything that's going on, mm-hmm. and then it gets explored in a court of law, and then if the conclusion is their accusations are right, then the person is punished for committing said crime. Yeah, it's just I don't know. That's the thing. Is like the thing is people just talk like to talk a lot of shit, like just throw out shit out there. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know what is right or what is what's real and what's not with Woody Allen, for example. Mm-hmm. But I just know there's just people who just like to talk, who just like to throw things out there to derail somebody's, to derail, to defame, and debase uh, somebody's reputation. I mean, I've got a couple. It's so easy. Of, I've got a couple of friends who've had the accusation of rape thrown out there, mm-hmm. and then right. had it proven right. that it was untrue. Because of circumstances surrounding what was going on in both parties' lives, etc. Right. I've had them go through that. And one of the two went to court and it was proven that he was right. And the other one, um, the allegation was let go, etc. Right. And it just fizzled out. It, now, that isn't in any way justifying... That isn't in any way saying that I think people, and in this particular scenario, women should be silenced. They definitely shouldn't. Yeah. You you have something happen, fucking talk about it, um, accuse, and then bring it through the courts. It's just the timing of some of these things that kind of makes me question. Right. It doesn't, it leaves like a bad taste in my mouth because it's like, well, why now? Right. Some of the timing on certain things that comes out in the wire, it's like, well, X, Y happened in like this this many decades ago and now you're coming but but the response to that happens to be a couple of different things i mean one has to also consider the uh 
trauma involved for the victim. Yeah, I get yeah. And, you know, some people some people will be blunt and immediately go, I'm gonna call the authorities. Other people will have a Stockholm syndrome type thing happen, mm, yeah. other people will have shell shock and uh, the PTSD associated. So it should always be a situation where you listen to what someone has to say and then you evaluate it. Simple as that. Yeah. You've said this, let's find out what happened there. Let's question both parties and find out, okay, when did this happen? Why did this happen? Was this the case? Was this not? Hmm. All right. And on that happy note, <laughs> uh, please feel free to tell us any thoughts you may have. Bola is a misogynist. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm Nazi joking. apologist. <laughs> No, we both, um, we, we don't care what people do, we don't care who people are, um, we just love films and we want everyone to be able to do what they want as long as they don't hurt someone else. Well, this is just a free-form discussion, you know, it's thinking out loud and just talking about sort of these kinds of things. Which is healthy. Yeah. So if you want to talk to us about it, cool. If not, hopefully you'll listen to the next episode of the Broken English Podcast. And uh, if you didn't like what you heard, feel free to reserve your comments and uh, not address us about them. <laughs> Only positive here. Thanks for watching, guys. Until listening, next time. Listening. Sorry, Thanks sorry, listening. listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys and gals. And until next time. Adios. Adios.